Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fitlistic Wellness Podcast where we have raw, real conversations about everything and anything and relate it back to holistic health and wellness. Now today, very special guest. I am so excited and honored to have you on the podcast. He's a best-selling author, spoken word artist, rapper, and YouTuber. Welcome everyone, Humble the Poets. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I am so, like I said, I'm so grateful to have you here. This is awesome. Now I wanted to address, I'm just gonna get right into it. You released an amazing book, I guess a couple years ago now, right? I had only heard about it on the second release because you had an original one. Um, Unlearn, that's what it goes by. Um, And then you have another one that I also have and it's phenomenal as well without all the BS, right? (laughs) I like that one too. Yeah, so I wanted to have you on here and just kind of like talk about what it's about because for me as a holistic practitioner when I look at someone's wellness and well-being I look at everything spiritually emotionally physically obviously mentally everything all relates back to health and wellness even on a scientific standpoint it's like we were just talking before energy is everything and everything is energy so yeah right so I just wanted to jump into that because that's phenomenal but before we get into that I just wanted you to kind of you know give us a background because I know in your book you had mentioned that you had started off as a school teacher yeah and then you got into creative things with your music and things like that and then just released the fire book books yeah so start us off from the very beginning and just kind of walk us through how you transitioned and grew into what you're doing now um i just think i've always been writing i've been writing since i was a kid short stories poems songs everything and uh as with most people thinking that your life could be based around that doesn't sound very plausible or realistic Mm -hmm. so i just did it but never thought about it not not like even hoped i think uh I'm on the 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 early the early end of millennials, so I think <laughs> I was still okay with a life of not chasing my passions. Mm-hmm. And I yeah I I went to school. I did I did a degree in IT. Kind of realized that I was just doing whatever was going to get me employed. And I thought mm-hmm. if there is an option to do something, I'll enjoy it a little bit more. Let me try it. I uh, got exposed to the world of education. Met some teachers. Um, and took that route and then finished teacher's college at York University and uh, got hired very quickly. Uh, shout outs to reverse racism for that. And uh, taught for a couple of years. And then while I started teaching, I started attending concerts and being social after work and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then seeing his spoken word artist, I fell in love with what he did. And then uh, that was in Hamilton. I, I saw that performance. And then after that, got into kind of just doing art a little bit more and then, you know, putting it on YouTube, sharing it with the world. And it kind of took a life of its own. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I want to do this full time. Like I Mm -hmm. hung out with a lot of full time artists. I saw the life, fell in love with it, thought it Mm -hmm. would be super dope. And then um, quit my job, started uh, messing with a bunch of people. I thought were going to help me progress my career. Uh, Didn't work out and uh, kind of found myself in a proverbial rock bottom and then that's like when the story begins and that's when Mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out how to pay my bills and not beat myself up for trusting the wrong people and Mm -hmm. being super afraid of an unknown future and a lot of uncertainty and having feeling like i have no control and i think that entire process is when i just had to start writing things out to figure out what I was actually thinking and feeling mm-hmm. and that long story short turned into this book on learn mm-hmm. and I think the big thing that it uh, taught me the big the big idea from this book is the fact that we learn a lot we learn a lot from life we learn a lot from a lot of people um, but we, we rarely ask are these things still relevant to our lives are these things still going to be helping us moving forward and uh, just encouraging people to ask those questions and unlearn the things that serve them no purpose anymore. It's mm-hmm. kind of uh, saying, encouraging people to ask the, the very simple question of what should stay with me and what should go. Mm-hmm. And 
when you ask yourself that question repeatedly, you'll continually get better and you'll continually form yourself into a better person. For sure. Yeah. I like how you said that. Both the word artist. Obviously, it's going to be well said. <laughs> School teacher as well. It's a big one. If you could teach, I taught third grade. So if you can explain shit to eight year olds, you can explain it to anybody. Really? Yeah, yeah honestly. <laughs> okay. So there was something that you like just sort of touched on and I wanted to mention it again because it was like a quote in your book, one of them that you open and you see it, right? Those are my faves. <laughs> and one thing that stuck out to me was suffering is the key where we evolve and improve our situation. Yeah. And I really like that because like you said, at the beginning when you thought you were around these people that help you grow in in your creative like field and it kind of just didn't didn't sort of work out and then you said you hit rock bottom. Well, I hit what was considered rock bottom. I'm sure like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, life's not done with me. So I'll find that, <laughs> that I, th I think what it is now. And I, I mean, again, I, I wrote this book five years ago, so I've, you know, kind of been able to put this into better words. Now I got hit with, we get, when we get hit with too much unknown mm -hmm. and uncertainty, it creates anxiety. It, it makes us anxious. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, all of us have that. Like, we all have that story where a lot of challenges and a lot of discomfort just came and just smacked us in the face. Like, life threw a curveball at us. We weren't prepared for it. We weren't ready. Because if we were prepared for it, it would be a different story. It wouldn't be unknown. You know what I mean? Sure. So, you know, a person's heartbreak, you know, a first heartbreak is always the worst because it's your first heartbreak. You've never had these experiences. And then maybe at your third breakup, you'll be a little bit more experienced and you'll kind of be like, oh, okay. I, I see these things coming and now mm -hmm. only the parts that hurt you are the new parts. Yeah. Um, so the thing is suffering is how we're dealing with this level of just like not knowing what's going to happen and how we do it. But the truth is it's still something we feel in outside of our comfort zone oh, yeah. and comfort and being out, and existing outside of our comfort zone is where the growth is. So it's pretty much saying, look, and it's and I always just equate it to like going to the gym. Like if you're not suffering a little bit when you're at the gym, then you probably didn't have a good workout. <laughs> so you know, and I'm yeah. trying to encourage people. And I'm, I'm not saying dive in head first to this stuff. Yeah. You're but you are definitely. Uh, we are going to be definitely better off if we choose the suffering and we choose the discomfort instead mm -hmm. of waiting, or if we seek it, because we have to understand that it's seeking us. Yeah. Right. So either it's chasing you or you're chasing it. And you're better off being in a position where you chase it. Of course. Yeah, you're always prepared. Well, always, yeah, always being prepared and just always just being okay with it. Just kind of being like, TV really sells this idea that, like, we can have happily ever after. And happily ever after would just be living in a world where there are, everything, everything's familiar, everything is safe, yeah. everything is known. Right? And that's not, that's boredom. Yeah. That's, that's real life boredom, right? Like, this, and that's not realistic either. That will not happen. Like, even in the in, in the safest environments, you're gonna encounter some level of unsurety. You're gonna, you know, and you might you might get soft. You might get lazy, and then when this shit hits a fan, you're not prepared. Yeah, there you right? go. Right. So it's it's, it's it's this delicate balancing act that is perpetual for the rest of your life of having one foot in the world you know, and then having another foot in the world you definitely don't know. And being cool with a little bit of boredom and being cool with a little bit of anxiety and trying to exist in both. Mm -hmm. Wow. My mind's already blown. How, how long <laughs> has this been? It's like 10 minutes and I'm like, what? So much to absorb. <laughs> okay. And another thing I've noticed you talk a lot on your socials is that the environment we're in and how it like greatly affects who we become and like our desires to just keep going and support, but at the same time, we shouldn't always have to depend on other people. So I, I just wanted to kind of have your take on like your experience in adjusting to changing environments. I think it's, it's it starts with just recognizing how much our environments impact us. Mm -hmm. It's easy to believe that you know whatever is presenting us with stress and challenges is one thing we can give it a face we can give it a name we can get prescribed a pill for it we can mm -hmm. do whatever but it's not it's always going to be a combination of a lot of things mm -hmm. you know so 
you know, if you're not feeling good about yourself, it could be the people you're hanging out with, the city you're living in, the food you eat, the stuff you consume on social media, um, the stuff that you put out there yourself, how much sleep you're getting. Like, it's just, there's a whole, you know, you're in a holistic health. Like, it's the holistic, yeah. you got to look at the Everything. whole picture. You got you to zoom out of your mm-hmm. life and look at all the different factors some and then then ask yourself like oh what's in my control what's not in my control because not all of it will be in your control 100%. and um i think when it comes to just encouraging people to to consider their environment it's it's encouraging people to be like look man i we can't be if, if this matters then we have to go deeper mm-hmm. and for us to go deeper we have to allow things to get more complicated that's that's what going deeper does. Like you, you zoom in and you see more details, right? Um, so it's not no longer about having a good day or bad day. It's about really figuring out all the different things that impact that. So I'm always encouraging people to really see that. And I'm always encouraging people because I feel like one of the key things of, in, in suffering is that idea you feel helpless. Mm-hmm. So then that's why I want people to focus at least on the list of those environmental factors that are in their control. And then let them start there because if they start chipping away at those things that they actually have the ability to impact, you'll start gaining momentum and Mm -hmm. things will start to get better. Yeah. Did you find like when you moved from Toronto, because I, well, I know now you're kind of like back and forth to say more so you're down south LA and when you moved from Toronto to that, like just physical environment, how did that, what did that do for you in maybe positive negative something you adapted to i think i learned the big difference between stimulation and distraction so i think i was like wow this place you know i'm in la this place is so much more stimulating it gets my create <laughs> creative juices flowing the truth was it's a new place anything that's new is going to be stimulating of course. until it's no longer new right you know and then all <laughs> of a sudden that really cool place you went the first week as a tourist becomes the regular spot you go to because now you're a local and and all of a sudden it loses its appeal and it's kind of like seeing the city without its makeup on and and getting a whole (laughs) new picture of things right and no longer the best foot forward so i think for me what it did was it helped me realize what parts of being in toronto are fantastic for me and what parts of being in toronto are just uh not helping and then but also vice versa so it never and i never got to that point so i went there with the goal of moving there permanently mm-hmm. and then after a couple of years i was like oh i don't want to be here permanently oh and then uh and then kind of making new decisions and crafting new decisions accordingly and having to ask myself more important questions about like well where do you want to be in you know and you can't even and again and again you have to if you want things to be better you got to go deeper it's got to get more complicated so it's not like toronto versus la it's like well what type of neighborhood what type of environment what type of people do you want to be around so now i'm looking at new york so i'm looking at a whole bunch of other different places new york austin berlin just thinking about just these different places that could potentially uh feed whatever i needed to feed at that time yeah um but i think i learned a lot about you know the importance of what's familiar and what's home and uh realizing especially going to a place like la because la is full of people who aren't from la everybody mm-hmm. that's 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 the big league so leagues. is toronto huh so is toronto i think no? tr- i think toronto's full of people whose parents weren't born in toronto i'm not from toronto <laughs> well you're yeah well i mean th- this i feel <laughs> like i get it i know i get what you're saying um i guess la because la has a, an industry like LA, like everybody in entertainment. People have like a mission when they go there. Well, yeah, LA is like the NBA for entertainment. It's, it's the big yeah. league. So when you've outgrown <laughs> your city, then you go out to LA, and then mm-hmm. now everybody you meet, super talented, super hardworking, they're on the grind. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to feed off each other's energy and stuff like that. But uh, you know, then for me, zooming out even more and thinking about my goals was like, well, that is happening in Toronto slowly. You know, LA has been doing it for like 70 years. Toronto's been doing it for 10, but we're getting there. And then it was a question of, well, well what's important to me? Do I want to be a small fish in their big ass old pond? <laughs> or do I want to come here and be somebody who's actually digging the pond? Like mm-hmm. being a part of actually creating this pond. And mm-hmm. maybe 20 years from now, people won't think about leaving Toronto if they want to be a creative because there's enough here kind of supporting it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a learning experience that way. And it's just about kind of paying attention to it, just leaving the environment. But I know a lot of people who always, they leave Toronto or they leave their hometown and they look at their hometown and it's like, oh, that was holding me back. And now everything's fantastic here. And I think I envy those people who actually find that authentically. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, and I have a friend that moved to Berlin and he's like, I, I'm getting younger every day I'm here. I have friends that moved to LA and they love it. They don't ever want to come back. For me, that's never been the case. So I think it's a enjoying my nomadic self while I figure myself out. But I think everybody should always pay attention to their environments and decide, okay, what adjustments could I make to this? And it doesn't have to be a whole new city. It doesn't have to, you know, like that's not go. Mo- most of your problems exist inside you. So you're going to pack them on that trip. Yeah. So it's not, you know, there's a good BoJack episode about that where she, <laughs> she, she flies to like Vietnam to run away from her problems and realize that, oh, she is her problems. Yeah. So she just has them now in Vietnam. It just follows you. It's like something sinister, like those horror movies, you know, like when well, the ghost it, follows it, you. It is you. I, th- I think when we, I think, I think we have to realize it is us. Yeah. It's not following us. It is us. Yeah. We, you know, it's part of our package. <laughs> Instead of kind of looking at it as something that is the other or the enemy, like it is us. Yeah. You know. But I also think it's like all about perspective too. Because mm-hmm. environment can definitely be, you're going to bring what you have with you, but the changed environment can change your perspective. Let me give you an example. So when I was 16, uh, in grade, I was just going into grade 12, I was diagnosed with a serious liver condition. Essentially, it was autoimmune. So my immune system was attacking my liver and there wasn't really an explanation as to why. And something, and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, um, but something that really I even now look at is like you can't heal in the environment you got sick in so this is where I'm gonna touch a little bit on the perspective because I remember I went through grade 12 finished I wanted to go to university in Toronto even though they offered the same thing in Guelph which was closer to home for me but I decided to move to Toronto because I felt like I needed that environment change and then when I got here after like a year everything's everything's better now but I find that like when I moved out of where I was from from Waterloo come to Toronto not that far but I found that I just I had a whole different perspective on my overall health in the sense that like when I was home like I was just always worried about it and I was almost kind of labeling myself and I found when I came to Toronto I created something new for myself I changed places. Everyone knew me there as like that girl who was really sick in high school. And here when I came, I was like a whole different person in the sense that people didn't necessarily know that deep or they didn't see the beginning. But I don't know. I, I think it's just the perspective of coming to Toronto. I think, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think mm-hmm. we don't realize how much of our days are spent living up to other people's expectations mm-hmm. good or bad so even if yeah. you just get labeled every day as the sick girl mm-hmm. subconsciously you act and become more and more of the sick girl every day exactly. to kind of and you know validate people's worldviews. and mm-hmm. we're all we're all guilty of that even our priorities yeah. generally uh the things that we think matter to us generally come from other people somebody yeah. else you know whether it's our parents whether it's society they tell us this is important so then we value that because we haven't done the work to kind of figure out who we are yeah and then definitely having a clean slate and i think for me because you know you made the mention of toronto and la i i mean i definitely think a clean slate and environment is great and definitely going from a small town to what have you and i'm sure there's still <laughs> parts of being you know back at your home that are essential that made you grass. who you are grass <laughs> greenery <laughs> You know, I'm sure you're you're a lot kinder than a, a big city person because <laughs> you had a little bit more air and room to, to move around in your city, <laughs> right. you know. So there's a lot of different things in, in that context where you're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't grow up here because if I grew up in the city, I'd mm. have blacker lungs and I'd have <laughs> a lot less empathy for my fellow human beings, you know yeah. what I mean? Because that's just what big cities do. Like, yeah. you're crowded, you're, you're in the noise, and imagine, like, being a child growing up beside a highway. Like, it, it can have an impact, right? Yeah. Um, I grew up beside the airport. I grew up beside. I, I grew up behind Humber College. I have, but I grew up with buses and all this noise as well oh, my yeah. entire life. And so you when, understand the struggle. I do. Well, it, to me, it's not a struggle. <laughs> to me, it's home. Yeah. Right. So then, when I go to LA and I'm sitting on my friend's rooftop and it's dead silent, I get anxiety. And silence gives me anxiety because I grew up. What's familiar to me, what mm. my body is used to, has been noise. Yeah. Then I can go to New York and it works. Until the Raptors decide to win the champion and people have their hand on their horn all night. All long. night. Yeah. Hey. I mean, and, and there's levels to that, too. Go, try Diwali. Diwali in India is like a war zone for four days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, And it, it gets bananas. But, um, no, I'm glad to hear that with your story. I think that's super important that people do it. Um, 
it definitely doesn't have to always be as grand for other people too. As mm. I said, you can move to the other side of your city. Yeah. You can, sh- you know, even on a, on a smaller scale, it can be just switching bedrooms. Like it can yeah. be, there's levels to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, everything doesn't have to be so grand, but definitely if you do it grand, and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you came in a brand new environment and I'm sure it was overwhelming when it first happened because there's just yeah. way too much happening. Yes. Slowly. You slowly s- I moved downtown. Yeah. Slowly <laughs> you figured it out. Slowly everything, you know, started to make more sense and things that were new, exciting and overwhelming may now just be normal and routine. Right. Yeah. And that's the story. And then maybe you'll, you'll be ready and primed for another move. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe Where should I go you, next? <laughs> maybe find something that's a hybrid about what you loved about your home and what you love about here. Maybe you love here because it's a fresh start, but you loved the greenery. So maybe you can find another little small town yeah. where you can develop a new identity. Or like move to the GTA. It's a little bit more grass. Oh, yeah. Like, the outskirts. Yeah, yeah. Like my family lives in Etobicoke, so we have green. green. I got a forest in my area. Yeah. Or, or close to the High Park. Yeah. Yeah. High Park is pretty nice. Yeah, so there's, there's options. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's the moral options. of the story. The moral of the story is people got options, <laughs> and uh, we can focus on what our options are and what we can do about it, or we can make excuses for why they can't happen. For sure, I just wanted to like we were talking before about our we we're still talking about the environment and like support systems and things like that. So like when you when you did your whole career change, what was like the biggest challenge? I think in the beginning, I was only able to do it because I had support in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And even if some of that support wasn't genuine or real, um, I mean, in retrospect, I was probably chasing a community more than I was chasing anything else. I wanted to be in a situation where people knew me for who I really was Mm -hmm. and accepted me, not only accepted me, encouraged me. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, very similar to your situation where I felt that my my current world my family my friends had already stuck a bunch of labels on my forehead and i wouldn't be free to do anything different than that Mm -hmm. um because my friends you know i've had the same friends since i was like in the first second grade like the same guys are still here in my life now and uh you know they and i and i saw it like it's it's challenging for them to be like yo people like take you serious people (laughs) you know people think your shit's worth hearing people pay to see you people <laughs> people you know people people ask me to meet you like people like my friends hard for my friends because i'm the same guy that we used to play outside and ride bikes <laughs> with when we were kids and do my dumb kid shit that yeah. the rest of us did so i see that so when i got into the arts i, I made a whole new family like i made mm-hmm. new friends whatever and that mean met meeting people i didn't know too well and trusting them a little overly um i think what i learned from that is a couple things a, it was a community I was chasing more than anything else, and uh, communities you don't have to chase; you can build them. You can you can be the you can be the nucleus of that. Um, I think the second thing was I needed to give the people in my life more credit. They were open to it, so I didn't share with my sisters. I had two sisters. I have two sisters. I didn't share with them that I did it, and then they found out maybe like months later, seeing something I posted online, and they were nothing but supportive, like completely, wow. like. And I mean, they don't even compliment me normally. And they were saying nice things. They were posting about me. They were sharing my stuff. And I realized I had gone in with the mindset that I don't need anybody's support, which for me at that time was an important idea to have at that time because I had just got betrayed by a bunch of people I leaned on. Mm -hmm. So I told myself, what you need to do is you need to stand up straight, lean on nobody to move forward. So what happened with that was I just completely became my own silo. I isolated myself from everyone that did my work and didn't look to anybody's validation to make myself feel better because I needed to be there because that's how I got trapped the first time. Mm-hmm. But then to see my family being very supportive and as, as, as much as they knew how to because there's no training manual for like, you know, <laughs> how your brother decides to be an artist and a poet. How do you support that? You know, and my, my parents grew up in villages in India. Like... Mm-hmm. We don't have a lineage of art in our family. We don't have anybody in my, in my family who's ever been an artist or a business owner, like none of that. So me being cognizant of that and being like, okay, they're helping the way they know how to help, you know, whether my dad's way was like, leave him alone, just don't say nothing to him, you know, but that's his way of support. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. Don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'll say nothing like that's, 
I, I can get that. I, you know, I can, I, I put myself in people's shoes and, mm-hmm. you know, my mother's constant nags towards, are you making money? Where's the money? Like, mm-hmm. And realizing that, hey, that's probably actually important. It kept me, kept me focused on that in some way, shape or form. So I think for me, I, w- I should have gave them more credit that mm-hmm. they would have had my back regardless. Um, needing their validation. We all need validation. It's kind of how we, we, we bounce around like a, a you know, a, a pinball in life we bounce off yeah. people we we understand ourselves in relation to them but i think overall the challenges are more internal like what i thought people were going to think and mm-hmm. the truth is to this day the meanest ideas that i've ever crossed paths with my work have been from me mm-hmm. there's nothing nobody's ever said online that's been worse than what i've ever said to myself mm-hmm. there's nothing nobody's ever said to my face than what i've said to myself looking in the mirror so you you get to this point where you're like this it's internal it's not yeah. the external stuff and again it's levels so it starts mm-hmm. with the external and then once everybody in your family and everyone's cool and now you're famous and you're making money so everybody's not only are they supporting you they're <laughs> bragging about you and it's all great yeah <laughs> but you still got to face yourself in the mirror and you still gotta yeah those conversations don't go away you know sure. this is not going to fix those things mm-hmm. especially if you know when you got lucky, you know when you could have worked harder, you know all these different things. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge with most people. Most people have to, like, most people don't focus on their relationship with themselves um, and easily distract themselves with all the other shit, you know, yeah. the validation, the, the support, all this stuff. And if you focus on the relationship with yourself, that will actually make it easier to deal with all that other outside stuff. Yeah, something, something my friend told me once. I don't know, I think I was going through something and we were just talking about it and they were like, why are you stressing about something that hasn't even happened yet? Like, you're going to be stressing twice and might even not be stressing twice because it probably won't happen. And I think that was one of simplest but, like, valuable thing yeah. anyone has ever told me. Anxiety can only exist in the future. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What the fuck? I just want people to realize anxiety is not your enemy, though not you need you need anxiety so don't don't think that there's people walking around that are free from anxiety anxiety is a necessary tool in your body that will get you up in the morning when you're late it will give you the energy to stand up for yourself it will get you moving it will do a lot of things for you too much anxiety is an issue and and it is a a delicate balancing act and it isn't and again it's not something you just achieve once and you're like, boom, I got balance. I'm good. <laughs> it's literally all your life. And it gets harder and harder because you get older and older. And as you get older, it takes more energy and you get more tired. Yeah, it's like finding that, talk about science, equilibrium. Yeah. It's like balance all the time. Yeah, perpetual. It's got to yeah. be a perpetual equilibrium. It's, it can't be, it's not a one-time thing. And people got to realize that. I've noticed um, you, yourself and Lily have been doing like a lot of growing together in the industry. How do you think, because we don't need anybody, but we need people, you know what I mean? So having that support with you, a close friend like that, like how has it made you as a person better? Relationships, and I think I might have read this even from your book, relationships only matter if you guys bring each other value. That's the only way it can... If like priorities align, yeah. Yeah, priorities align and everyone brings each other value. You make each other better. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that a little. Yeah, I mean, we we crossed paths at a time where we both had just got to keep it simple. We both crossed paths at a time where we both got betrayed by people we really cared about. Mm. And I think we both were in the same situation where we said, I don't want this to turn make me turn bitter. I don't want this to make me cold towards other people. And I Mm -hmm. don't want this to make me not trust anymore. You know, a lot of people who get burned are the people that love to give, give, give. Then they get yeah. burned. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, I don't want to give anymore. But inside, they still want to give. Yeah. So I think me and her were both kind of in this in this world where we both had been giving and finding value and being useful to other people and then getting burned for it. And now trying to figure out, well, how do we move forward? OK, let's stay away from new people. Let's just stick with the people we know, like my childhood friends never had an issues with them let me just stay with them but they have mm-hmm. nothing to do with this new adventure of mine mm-hmm. what do we do so i think when we crossed paths it became very clear that she was looking for 
somebody that will allow her to be her good giving self mm-hmm. and not bite her in the ass later for doing it. And I think mm-hmm. I was looking for the same. And I think for me, I was, I was still much more guarded and cold and, um, how I approached people, including her. It took a year for us to actually become friends after meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, that she showed me how to be a friend. That's, mm-hmm. that's the big thing that, because, and it probably has a lot to do with maybe just even how guys are raised versus how girls are raised. So like, mm-hmm. my friends are cool, my friends are dope, but <laughs> they're not bad people in any way, shape or form, but mm-hmm. there isn't, you know, nobody goes out of their way for each other. Like, nobody taught us this. You don't, you don't, you don't mm-hmm. like try to anticipate your friends' needs and whatever. And she yeah. showed me this whole level of friendship that I probably never had just because I had never really made friends with too many people like that as an adult and mm-hmm. probably because I had a lot of childhood friends and probably because um, not too many people get you as an artist and when you even the, the nicest people you tell them you're trying to be an artist they just start projecting their fears onto you like oh but how are you going to make money how are you going to do this how are you going to do that and they're not bad people they're just projecting that because that's just how they were raised yeah. so I think for, for me with her we both kind of cry and there were other people uh, those, those relationships didn't they didn't they ran their course um, so I think with me and her, that's kind of how it started and, um, you know, combine that with the fact that there was a common priority of like, we're going to make this work, like this mm-hmm. art thing, we're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's way more credit to her because when she got to a situation, uh, to be completely honest, when she got to a situation where I wasn't of much value to her ambitions anymore, mm-hmm. that's usually the time that people kind of just they move on from you, mm-hmm. you know? They're just like, well, this person's not serving me any purpose. This person can't get me through the door. This person can't connect me with anybody no more. Mm-hmm. And that happened after a couple of years where, you know, the comedy blew up mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to figure out my shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just to, that's where she just changed it to, all right, now let me just, let me be here to support what you have to do by creating an environment for you. And then she, she showed me, you know, so... We go out to LA and split Airbnbs, and then it's, it stopped from us splitting them to her being like, "Yo, I'm gonna get a place, stay here whenever you want." To me having my own key, mm-hmm. to you know me being on, you know, being an integral part of the environment. Mm-hmm. To now where there's no work being done together, like we don't do anything together other than be friends. Like, yeah. which is a story that I have with a lot of people that I, st- I and I met her through work. We weren't friends that became work collaborators. We mm-hmm. were work. Here's this girl doing this. This is what I do. Let's start working together. And a friendship mm-hmm. came from that. And I have this with a couple of other people, too, where the friendship just trumps the work. Mm-hmm. And now there's no more work being done. It's just friendship. So the last she was here on Friday, peer pressured me to go out to a party. <laughs> got home super late. I had a flight in the morning. Like this, this is our relationship now. So she went from being the best, the best influence on me to now she's just that bad influence on me. Trying, <laughs> trying to convince me to go here, go Life's there, do all balance, that. Right? It is about balance, but a, a lot of it had to do with that. And I think the reason I'm very heavy on like not, de- it's not that we don't need people. We definitely need people. Mm-hmm. We're tribal animals, yeah, and sure. uh, our interactions are important. And and being able to cooperate with people is super important. We just can't depend on it. And I think for me, uh, I try to tell this to so many young artists or so many new artists or new creatives or new entrepreneurs, like you can't depend on other people's support, Um, especially now because everybody is doing something on their, everyone's doing something. Everybody everybody needs more support than they can give. And I would challenge people to go the other way. Focus on who you can support. Don't support people for the sake of supporting them. Support people you actually care about. Like support causes you actually care about. Don't do it just because you have to do it. Do it because you want to do it. Exactly. And see what happens from that. Um, you know, I think I I was able to bring value to to our relationship and our friendship. And till this day, like this, I can still give her ideas, and the ideas come to life, and mm-hmm. everything is good in that in that department. But it what it, it, that's that will bring me more value and fulfillment than what she would do for me. And I think that that for people right now, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're started up a hot dog stand, try to add more value than you're, you're trying to get from other people. And then it'll actually create a situation where 
life will be designed around you providing value for people so nothing will be an issue like if you if you solve people's problems you won't have to worry about paying your bills mm-hmm. that's what a business is a business solves people's problems and then when they solve people's problems well then the people reward them and then they can stay in business and they can continue solving problems the second they yeah. stop solving problems is the second they go out of business yeah it's true it's the same thing with people with pe- focus on being valuable to other people focus on helping other people and i and, I, and, I, and I've, I've hit that point that's definitely mm-hmm. something i don't have anxiety about anymore as i don't think about like oh shit what what's the next level of my career what do i do how where's money going to come from because i realize it's like yo if you think like that and you work like that you will always think like that and work like that i've met people who have hundreds of millions of dollars who still think like that so they just wake up paranoid every day that they're going to lose it then you meet people who are just like yo the money will find me i ain't even worried about that i'm just going to do what i do and then yeah. you can, and you realize like it's it, it sounds a little bit up in the air and a little bit like <laughs> But it's, I think it's just because when you're not stressed about it, yeah. you'll do things with more ease and you'll have a better outcome. Yeah, because you're so focused on stressing about something that hasn't yeah. happened, like you said before. Like LeBron James just has to focus on being a good basketball player. The money will find him. <laughs> it's, right? it's the same thing with pretty much anything. Once If you do something on an elite level, whatever's necessary to, to keep you growing will find you. And so if you make great music, just keep making it. And then the better you get, the better talent will find you. The better person you are, the better people will find you. It's just it it just happens because everyone's looking for the same things. Because I learned this because you know you go to LA, everyone's networking, and you're like, this is stupid. It's a waste of time. Yeah. There's just a bunch of people who want to cut corners, hanging out with more people who want to cut corners. I don't like that word networking. Like I really hate it. People will be like, oh, I'm going to a networking event. Yeah, I'll go to an event to build relationships. Because if you're there to just talk to someone once. And again, that's, and there's levels to that. So people always start out competing with each other and then they get mm-hmm. smart and they start cooperating with each other. That's what a networking event is going to be. Then when they realize that that's still empty, they'll start collaborating with each other. Mm-hmm. When you collaborate with each other, that means what you're working on is more important than anybody who's involved in it. Nobody cares about the credit. They care about the project, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, collab- like a husband and wife are collaborating on a baby. The baby becomes more important than, than both of them, right? Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate way we all have to function and working on, you know, and you see that, like people mm-hmm. on f- working on films, people working on what on a high level, they realize that they're a piece, they're a piece of this project and they are important, but they're not the most important. And everybody working together to make a beautiful project. And it's not about who gets the credit. It's not about who's in charge. It's not about any of that. But it takes a long time to get mm-hmm. there. Yeah. To figure that out. So I'm, you know, L.A. is full of cooperation. Toronto, I think, is just figuring out the word cooperation. Mm-hmm. But this whole, like, what, what can you do for me? It's, it's not sustainable. No. That's why I want people to realize it. it's not about it being right or wrong. It's just not sustainable. You can continually talk to people who will be of use to you and useful to you. And it's, and it's great. Like, I, I do benefit from a lot of people helping me out. But mm-hmm. I think most of the people who have helped me out in big ways helped me out because we created a genuine relationship with each other mm-hmm. and i i'm lucky I've, I've i've built relationships with people not knowing we were building relationships like mm. ended up you know hey a bunch of people going to this dinner and then sit and ended up sitting in a cab with somebody and just talking with him because we're both going to the same dinner not knowing who he was and then a year later turns out he's you know a very successful uh, Silicon Valley investor and now he's able to put me in front of 10 different people but our initial conversation was about him growing up in Buffalo me growing up in Toronto and how he knew a bunch of Canadian stuff that no other American knew <laughs> you know what I mean so oh, you're so close yeah so that's what the conversation was about it wasn't about what do you do for a living what do you do mm-hmm. it was weird he's like oh shit I just heard you're from Toronto man I'm from Buffalo nobody in Buffalo nobody in America knows the tragically hip you know what I mean <laughs> And, he, and that's how the conversation started. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. And we connected on this. And we were in, and we were in Vancouver. And then yeah. we sat in a cab and then we kept talking. And then two days later, I realized like, oh, shit, this, this person, you know, is, is a person that can do X, Y, Z, whatever. And then, but it became a more of a genuine relationship. Because mm-hmm. then if you go the other way, the relationships are never genuine. And you'll see that. Mm-hmm. You'll see it. And, I, and there's a lot of that in L.A. And that's probably another reason I don't want to be there. 
And it's, and it's like so good not to be around that kind of stuff and like being able to filter out what, I don't know. It's not always the easiest, but like. It's not easy, but if you start being like, there are people. So what I learned early mm-hmm. and I learned it and it legitimately, this is what I learned from all financially, the richest people that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. They always start conversations with what are you doing and how can I help you? And you're sitting there like, so you're like, oh, okay, now I exist in an environment where everybody in the room is looking to help other people. And that's how all this works. Yeah. So now they do 10 different things for you. Then you want to do 10 different things for them. Yeah. And now you're in a situation where, you know, I, I'm always thinking, well, how can I add value to someone? Like, like how can I add value to Lily's life? Mm-hmm. You know, the last time I tried to buy her like an abstract gift. And I carried it all the way from Toronto to like San Diego. Then got on the train and took it to L.A. after all these different events. And I show it to her, and then she's like, oh, I have three of those, you know? And then being like, all right, cool. How can I add value to somebody's life? You get to keep <laughs> thinking about it, you know? Who, who can I introduce you to, whatever? Because you yeah. find significance. You feel good about yourself when you're valuable to other people. Yeah. Right? So I think we have to learn that. Stop asking what can people do for us, and let's start asking what we can do for people. Yeah. And I'm not saying do it for everybody. Do it for people you like. Just yeah. start with people you actually like. Mm-hmm. So it won't hurt you to spend the money or spend the time. And then if you get to a point where you actually like your city or your society or humanity, then you can do more stuff for more people. Yeah. And like bring like bringing value to other people is just so rewarding and it just makes you feel really good too, right? And I think that's really good for also like It means you matter. Yeah. That's all people want. Yeah, like everyone wants to feel good. And I feel like the past 10 years maybe I've noticed things becoming like in our society, people just have been more competitive and it's destroying people's body image, like mental health, like everything. And it's just, it's so simple to like, just well, offer someone it's, help. It is like, simple to offer people help, but it's also very difficult to get yourself out of that mindset if you've been raised with it. Like we're raised in capitalism. Like competition mm-hmm. is, is, competition is part of the animal we are. Mm-hmm. We compete, that's happening, yeah. right? We're not in a, we, we don't live in a, in a world where it's as essential. Like we don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, I don't have to kill five guys to find a wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to, I'm not in direct competition and f- to find a maid or to find food. I don't have to kill no one to find my food anymore. Mm-hmm. But that, those instincts are still there. So now it's about getting that girl's number at the club or it's about uh getting that job or it's about mm-hmm. you know followers on social media like it's, it's become you know because again we're we are tribal it's actually mm-hmm. indicative of the fact that we understand ourselves in relation to other people mm-hmm. um but it's just trying to get people to understand that that there's a lot of entities and organizations and companies that make money off of us feeling that we're in competition with each other. That's why the idea keeps getting pushed. And the only way to combat that is turn around and be like, all right, let me try to add more value to more people. Mm -hmm. Because that in the long run will, that won't drain you the way competing with people will, Mm -hmm. you know? And the deeper you go into yourself, the less you can compete with other people because you start to be like, wow, like we're apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. We're all in different spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is just so unique and everyone has different skill sets and different goals. And I feel like everyone can just benefit off of each other. And again, like going back to the holistic perspective of that is just like once you're like stressing about always competing with someone, like when your body's in stress mode, it can't do anything else. Like digest food. If you're not digesting food, you're not absorbing the nutrients and you're going to get sick. And if you're like manifesting all these emotions that aren't positive it's gonna manifest in something physical and that's just like how energy and And it's gonna crystallize it's gonna stay there yeah Yeah. so like for example liver condition the emotion that's related to liver issues is anger like the negative one so the positive affirmation for that would be like joy happiness i am worthy everything is like at peace things are good things like that so it's just that's why i really like how you use your platform for positive because you know there's a lot of things you see nowadays there's people have huge platforms and they're not making a difference or a positive impact or you know what i mean so it's just like i guess i guess i don't i've never looked at it in terms of i have a positive 
like I'm trying to make something positive. I think in the beginning when I was making my music and doing my poetry, I was trying to sh- shed light on things that I thought like, oh shit, I just learned that and that just totally changed the way I looked at the world. Maybe if I change that, I, I share that with other people, it'll change the way they look at the world. And mm-hmm. back then, and as I said, going like, it's always levels. Back then it was very on the surface. So I would talk mm-hmm. about political situations. I would talk about things related to activism. I talk about what was happening in the Middle East. I talk about all of these different things. Um, then you have to go deeper. And when you go deeper, it gets more complex. Then you're like, oh shit, like I'm talking about this political situation in the Middle East, but it's not an easy, here are the good guys, here are the bad guys. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's never like that. And then you're like, okay, well, what's the real issue here? Well, the issue here is power and oppression and control. Mm. Wait, how do I, I can't just read an article about how that relates to these guys, but I can understand it in terms of myself. So then I started going inwards and, dealing with that plus I, I i hit this point where i was like shit like i just had my heart broken i hate the world mm-hmm. i don't know what to do i'm unemployed you know and wh- how, how am i going to get myself out of this hole mm-hmm. so that process had me just writing about myself now instead of me writing about the world that i was observing mm-hmm. and um people connected with it on a level that i never thought like that was never to me at this point it was filling in the gaps because I couldn't make music. It was literally like, I got to share something because if I don't share anything, people will forget about me. Yeah. And I just started writing paragraphs instead of making, producing music and, and making videos because the, the people I was working with, they weren't always available. And then people resonated with on, on a way that I never thought because I never used the tools that I had in this way before. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it more so for myself. Like this book is a real self-help book because I wrote it to help myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and... It, it evolved from there and I think what it became more of was just kind of like this is what people want from me and at the same time this is what's good for me mm-hmm. and at the same time the only thing that is required of me is to continually go deeper and to continually be more honest mm-hmm. and I'll just so like so for me just like how many people are set up like that on social media. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't wake up one morning. I don't think somebody could start <laughs> doing that. Like yeah. it, it organically happened where I yeah. found myself in a position where I was just like, shit, they literally just don't want me to hold back. And they literally just want me to help simplify, help bring some clarity to the way we're all feeling. We're all feeling the same things. So I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I put words together and I've been doing it for a long time. So that's my tool. That's what I bring to the world. That's my talent. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't swim. I don't dance. I don't do anything. This is what I do. I put words together. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting words together with a lot of emotions. And right now, it's a time where a lot of people are trying to make that a priority. Wellness is a priority now. Mm-hmm. Mental health mm-hmm. wasn't, a, wasn't a thing 10 years ago. If I existed 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't bring as much value to the world. Mm-hmm. And I never looked at it as like a positive space. I've never looked at it. I looked at it more as like this this is helping I'm putting things out that are helping me figure my shit out and in turn helping other people figure their shit out mm-hmm. and it's solving problems for them and they're putting me in a position to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is not get lost in the sauce and be like shit. Now how can I <laughs> how can I how can I squeeze some more money out of this? How can I do this? How can I do that? Cuz yeah. I see people get lost in the sauce or I see people get lazy. Mm-hmm. And go on autopilot, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the reason why somebody who maybe has social media and they're showing off their body, mm-hmm. like you have to figure out a way to, to to take that deeper. Yeah, because somebody can't just keep staring at you for years and years and years. They're going to eventually, you know, either get sad that they can't be with you or just get sick of seeing you. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's about you have to like yeah. fig- you have to figure you know there isn't an evolution there's a, a relationship mm-hmm. you know social media is still social you have to have yeah. a relationship with people so I think for me yeah getting to a point where I was like shit I don't even have to post pictures of myself and I can just share the inside of my head yeah and there's not there's not a lot that has to be done on my part to share the inside of my head I don't have to manipulate anything or pretend or like research mm-hmm. or do anything I just have to be myself and and who I authentically am and that that to me I think puts me in a very big position of privilege Mm -hmm. and in what privilege in in my opinion comes a lot of responsibility Mm 
So I'll just like, I take it as a responsibility now, but um, I don't think it's me bringing positivity. I think it's just me showing people like I'm, I'm just fresh fruit mm-hmm. in a world full of junk food. Cause everyone's, like everybody's just thinking short term with their stuff and I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm still discovering people mm-hmm. on there that just have super dope pages and that do super mm-hmm. dope shit. And I'm just like, cause the, and the other thing too, is I also recognize that it's not the ideas. It's the way I, I package them. Mm-hmm. Cause the truth is the truth. Yeah. Right. And the truth is existing. And it's the cool thing. Cause you're talking about like, all right, today you hear anxiety only exists in the future. And you're like, shit, I knew that, but I never heard it in those words before. Yeah. Tomorrow there's somebody else that needs that right now. There's some five year old kid and 15 years from now, they're going to need to hear that. Like the, the ideas will be here forever, but some of them are going to want to hear it in the song. Some of them might want to read it on a Taylor Swift t-shirt. Some people might want to <laughs> read it in poetry. You never know. Like the yeah. packaging has to be different. Yeah. So like now as I got into the space and I'm meeting all these other cool people like Jay Shetty, Lewis Howes and all these cool guys, mm-hmm. you're like, yo, the only difference between me and these guys is how they package it versus how I package it. Mm-hmm. And they don't see me as competition because they understand that like, yo, this is his style. This is my style. It's, mm-hmm. We're all on the same team here. And it's mm-hmm. very refreshing and super supportive and loving. And I, and I like that. Um, and I realize like this is what I've always con- been continually chasing. It's just a community of people who let me, you know, be me and get it. But the, the good news is all the people in my past have kind of come along now. And it's, a, mm-hmm. it's tricky because most of the time it's in my head. You know, yeah. my, my, some of my friends being like, yo, I read your book. It was really good. And being like, shit, these guys actually like, I grew up with these guys not giving a fuck what I had to say, <laughs> which is fine. They're your, they're your homeboys. They shouldn't have to give a fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a journey, and it's going to continually be a journey. So I guess mm. it's just for me just watching it play out. So it's just a life of learning and unlearning things, I guess. That's it. Just, just hold, what evolve. to hold on, what, le- what to let go of, and then that's it. And just continually asking yourself that question. All right, we're getting right near the end so this is a part of the podcast where i would like to give you the floor again and just tell people where they can reach out to you how they can connect to you how they can get your their their hands on your art your book everything um you can find me social media at humble the poet my website has all my stuff uh humblethepoet.com and uh depending where you are in the world my book's on pretty much available wherever books are available so amazon all the bookstores barnes and noble in america chapters indigo in canada what's the other place called i'm still learning about the british names waterstone i think it's not hard to find me it's not hard to find (laughs) me yeah all right well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was really great to have you. I'm so happy you were able to come through. Thank you for having me, and thank you for uh, <laughs> being patient with all the multiple delays of me getting here. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. All right, guys. If you like this, um, subscribe. Give it a nice rating. I would really appreciate that. You don't have to. If you want to leave me a nice message, that would be cool. You can also slide into my DMs. We release a new episode every Friday at 6 a.m., so stay tuned because we got some pretty cool guests coming through as well. So thanks, guys, for listening, and have a good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of the day you're listening to this at.